Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio with your hosts, Anthony and Amy Russo. Grace and Peace Radio is a weekly Christian podcast where together we'll discuss how we can apply God's Word to everyday life. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. It's our hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. Hey, this is Amy and welcome to the episode. This week, Anthony is interviewing author Dave Jenkins, and it's about his new book, The Word Explored, The Problem of Biblical Literacy and What to Do About It. Anthony and I have had many conversations about this. Sadly, many professing Christians do not read their Bible on a regular basis. Equally sad, many churches do not emphasize just how important being in the Word is in every believer's life, or that Frankly, it's a command of God himself. So we hope you enjoy the interview with Dave Jenkins. And thanks so much for listening. I'm very, very excited to have a kindred spirit here with me on Grace and Peace Radio. Uh, Today, I'll be talking with Dave Jenkins. Dave is the uh, author of The Word Explored, The Problem of Biblical Illiteracy and What to Do About It. Hi, Dave. Hey, man, how are you? I am doing great, thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about this problem of biblical illiteracy and what to do about it. We're going to solve the whole thing in this episode. Awesome. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, So, Dave, first of all, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really excited to have you here because you and I share share this passion for having people, like we talked about before we hit record, having people discover the treasure that is God's word. But right now we have this problem of biblical illiteracy. And I, I like that phrase. Can Do me a favor. Can you talk about biblical illiteracy? What is that? And then um, if you've got some of the statistics available that you share in your book, that'd be great. If not, I've got them here and I can share a few of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I like Martin Lloyd Jones. He used to say, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, uh, you know, 20th century a British preacher, very well known. If you don't know him, get to know him. He would say that you should start with what it's not so that you, people understand what it isn't. Biblical literacy obviously has to do with not knowing the Bible, not knowing key facts, key stories, pivotal things about the Bible. We're not talking about minute detail. Obviously, biblical literacy would mean that we know key facts and key details. Some stats from George Barna. These are come from 2014, by the way. Fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify two or three of the disciples. 60% of Americans cannot name five of the Ten Commandments. The big one, 82% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves as a Bible verse. Born-again Christians think that 81% of them believe that the Bible teaches that the primary purpose in one's life is to take care of one's family. Another big one, 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I uh, love over, that one. Over, yeah, I mean, everybody does. Everybody does. Yeah. That, well, the other one I always add as a bonus is people think that, that Billy Graham wrote the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, come on, Houston, we have a big problem. What the statistics tell us is people understand salvation they don't understand the purpose of marriage and and life in general yeah i mean really you know we laugh at that one about joan of arc and it is kind of funny but in a sense 
it really is tragic because like you said, we don't have to be experts at the Bible, but especially as people who claim to be people of the book, as I believe Muslims refer to Christians, we should be people of the book. As you tied them together in the book, one of the stats that I really latched onto was for every person who reads his or her Bible every day, which was 19%, someone else, which was 18% of survey respondents, isn't reading theirs. It's true. For an example, a church that my wife and I were members at, well, they had a church survey. And the results of the survey, if you dig down deep enough and you look at the stats, something like 40% of the members, now we're talking about born again, committed to church membership members, acknowledged that they don't read their Bibles regularly. You also say in the book, the problem of biblical illiteracy is one we cannot ignore anymore. It's one that local churches must address. I want to ask you two questions about that. I want to get to the the fact that local churches must address it, but let's start with what's an individual's responsibility for not being biblically illiterate? That's a good question. Well, to answer that, I, I I have three purposes really that for why I wrote the book. I want to help people to delight in what God loves and to love what He loves. So I want people to love the Word, to love the church, and to love His people. So that applies personally, obviously, because like I, I'm crazy about my wife, for example. But what my wife wants to know isn't just that I'm crazy about crazy in love with her, right? She wants me to to do the chores. She wants me to help out around the house because that's a tangible way that I'm showing that I'm loving my wife. Well, the, the same kind of idea applies personally, okay? I'm saying that rather than being legalistic, when some people say if you tell them that you're going to read the Bible, what they hear is I have to do that. Um, yes, true, but there's a deeper motivation, right, for that, and that's what I'm after in the book. I'm not after just to tell you to read and do all these things. I'm after something greater than that because so many Christians give up on reading the – they need to understand why they're reading the Bible. Really, that's where I'm going is it's not just how to read the Bible. It's more of why, so I'm aiming mm-hmm. at the Christians' new affections and helping them – be trained by scripture, mastered by scripture. That's a lifelong goal. That's well, I have a master's degree in the Bible. And when, when I tell people that they're like, Hey, what does that mean? Um, and I'm like, okay, here's what it means. Right. You right. Know, I got, I learned some general facts about the Bible and those kind of things, but I'm not, a, I'm not at the PhD level. Well, say more about that. You know, that doesn't mean even at the PhD level, you, you have one sliver of maybe you where you're an expert or one of the experts. And, and even there with you break that down further, you know, there's other experts. Um, right. so, so even at that level, you have to understand that, that there's experts, and, but all of us, you're to be mastered by the Bible and you're to be shaped by the Bible and, and to be grounded in the Bible. And, and the reason for that is because of what God loves and yeah, he delights over it. So that's really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you get readers to delight over the scriptures. That's excellent. And actually, we're, we're going to touch on some of that, too, in, in just a little bit. Now, also, you make the case 
that it, it's a problem and it's not one that we can ignore anymore. And it's one that local churches must address. So take a minute and tell me about the church's responsibility in fostering biblical literacy amongst its people. Well, there's a couple of things that I could say about that. First, you know, the Holy Spirit indwells every Christian, right? Um, and, and Jesus talks about that in John 15 through 16. You know, he has three purposes. The Holy Spirit aims to ground us in the truth of Scripture, to point us to Jesus, to send us out on mission. So as we gather together, we see that in Acts, the church gathers together. They gather together, you know, under the word and by the word, right, to be taught the word. And then they're sent out on mission so when I talk about the problem of biblical illiteracy in the church, and, and I want to just say I'm not saying that every church isn't doing something about that. I'm saying that the church uh, needs to address it. I think a lot of churches probably are, but there needs to be, to be more conversation about this. And I would say that we need to have the right kind of conversation and it needs to be framed not as a thing that we check ourselves off. And I want to be clear there. I don't think there's any pastor that I know of, and I know a lot of pastors, that would want to give the impression that it's a duty. They would want to say that it's a delight. But I, I think just saying it that way will help people, help the people in our churches to see this isn't something that I just check off my to-do list. This is something that I've been saying is more like it's it's a need. It you need you need to eat. You yep. need to have water. You need to have sleep. It, it, as long as you're coming back and saying this isn't just something that you're doing just for that reason, but to see the necessity of it for your life, then to feast on it in in the word. I think that's what I would want to say. Even in the example that I gave from our own experience, when I brought that up to the pastors at that church about, hey, here's the here's what the statistics say in that survey. They actually didn't even acknowledge it. Like you said, it's not something that's happening at every single church, but where it is happening, it's a conversation that needs to be brought up. So I'm glad you're, you're trying to raise this awareness. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you talk about all the messages that we are bombarded by in life every day. In fact, in the book, you say how, quote, what we input into our lives, what daily bread we feast on, will make its way into our hearts. This is why we must be careful what we hear or read. Talk about that and how becoming a Bible reader addresses that. Yeah, it's it's so important to understand that. I mean, I get the idea from Luke 6.45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, what we input, you know, it, it, it's often thought, well, it's just about what comes into my ears. But what Jesus is saying is actually something more profound. It's, it's what it gets in our heart because the heart is the seed of biblical knowledge, right? And so what gets in our heart, I mean, it comes through our ears, it, you know, and it, it, it affects our lives and it shapes us and it molds us. So supremely getting in the Bible is, you know, you prayed at the, the beginning before we started, clicked record about the Bible being our, our treasure. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew 6, you know, and what is the treasure of our hearts? Mm -hmm. um, it should be Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, what is Jesus treasure above all things? You know, he paid uh, the, the penalty for us in our place and for mm -hmm. our sin and rose again. And he is uh, the high priest and intercessor. He's a soon returning king and Lord 
I mean, heavens for heaven's sake, what did Jesus quote? He right. quoted scripture. Mm -hmm. um, so Jesus, that's why I said Jesus loves the scripture and he loves his people, but he also loves his church because it's the only institution that he bled and died and rose for. And he empowers his people, you know, through the Holy Spirit with and for and uh, all for his uh, glory and praise, of course. If we can get that, we, we will be shaped by the scriptures, we'll be molded by the scriptures. We'll see that, okay, these, that, that message that I hear on Sunday, that message is shaping me. So I better make sure that that message is grounded in the scriptures. And the church that is teaching me that message, right, by extension, has sound biblical teachings because I want to be taught the word. I want to be fed the word. And we need to also, you know, we need to be in the word ourselves, of course. You know, that's where we're like what Paul says to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4. We're, we're you know, shaken by the wind. We're tossed to and fro too easily because what we're inputting into our minds, into our hearts, it's not scripture first. It's that television show, that sports program. It's like, okay, well, if you can do that, guess what? You, you can read your Bible. You can study your Bible. You can spend five to ten minutes if you're going to spend five to an hour reading about your favorite sports team or your favorite golfer or whatever it is for you, surely you can spend five to 10 minutes reading your Bible. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad when I say that. I'm just saying, like, if you can do that, then you have some time to to do that. Yeah, I really like how you tied in there. It's not only that we're receiving these messages from the world, but that we're sitting in church on Sunday, hearing messages from the word, and we had better know what it is that we're hearing. The next thing I, I noted in the book, one of the things I highlighted was where you say, today, we too must learn to discern the voice of the Lord. And that's really kind of a, also in that Sunday morning time as well. I know that's not exactly what you meant there, but it applies because you say, but unlike in Samuel's day, we have the 66 books of the Bible that constitute the authoritative word of God. In so many churches today, there's so many things that are not biblical. So it's so important that, that people do know their Bibles. And then, of course, and this is something else that you, you touched on earlier. You say a real love for God is evidenced by a love for what God loves. I want to talk about the next part where you talk about reading and obeying. You say in the book, merely listening to God-inspired words is not the point. Hearing the word should lead to obedience to God's commands, which yields Christ-likeness. What we hear and digest into action will become a reflection of what we love. Tell me a little more about that. I think most American Christians hear that and they hear the call to obedience. And what they do is they immediately think, you're a legalist. You're telling me I have to obey Jesus. Well, Jesus himself tells us that because of our union with him, out of our union with him, we can obey. Because the spirit, what does the spirit want to do? He wants to plant us in the truth. So it's not right for us as American evangelicals to suggest that we don't have to obey God. You know, I, I'm not, I'm saying it that way uh, for effect, actually, because there are people who think they can just do whatever they want to do. But out of our union with Christ, we 
have the privilege of communing with Christ. And if we're in communion with Christ, the spirit is at work in our lives and we'll, we'll just naturally desire to obey. It won't even be like a thought. We'll just be like, hey, I'm, I'm doing what God wants me to do because I've been reading my word. I've been studying my word and the spirit is taking that word. He's convicting me and teaching me. And out of that, guess what? That's where obedience is just the overflow of that. Think about the thing that you love the most. Think about what you really love, what you really treasure. You know, and when we look at the Old Testament, we can see the Israelites, for example. You know, Moses is going up and getting the Ten Commandments, and what are the people doing down below? They're um, having a party, you know? They're Mm -hmm. doing their own thing. They're making an idol. They're showing what they really love, and you know, that's where we, we go because what we treasure is, is ultimately what we ultimately, what we hold as supreme in our hearts, the, the supreme treasure of our hearts. That's actually what we're worshiping. That's the trajectory of our hearts, of our lives. And that is, that is, that is so scary because if we, if, if we're not being obedient and our obedience shows ultimately what we treasure. And so that's a that's a convicting thought for should be for everybody. It should be even more so for the Christian dwelt by the Spirit, because what we should ultimately prize above, uh, we should prize Jesus above everything, above our sports team, above everything and all things. So if we're not if we're not doing that, we got a we got a big problem. Everything you're saying, I I just go back to John fourteen fifteen. Jesus says, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Uh, So, and along with that, it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about we prioritize what we love. So I want to get down to the the practical level, okay? Let's let's try to think through some ways. I want to ask you some ways of helping someone who maybe they don't have a good history of reading their Bibles. Uh, they've been a Christian, maybe a Christian for years, and they've never read through the Bible. Maybe they've never either just read through the New Testament or read through the Old Testament. You say in your book, one of the most significant needs for a Christian is to open his or her Bible, and read it. So how often should a Christian be reading their Bible? What I want to say to that is how often do you breathe? I mean, I just said earlier that I'm talking about it in terms of our our, our need to, to eat, to sleep, to feed. I mean, so how often do you need to breathe? I'm saying that, you know, for effect, obviously, right? But I, I want you to understand that it's, it's that kind of necessity for you. Jesus talks about it, how it's a living water. And in through the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He comes and he takes the word and it refreshes us. It teaches <laughs> us. He teaches us. He instructs us and all of those, all of those wonderful things. But he is also a bread of life. It feeds us. It sustains us. It gives us food for our souls and helps us to grow. So, but practically... I'm saying maybe five to 10 minutes. If that is a hard thing for you, guess what? I want to be gracious and kind to you, okay? I also want to say listen to it because 
listening, what it does is, you know, and I'm talking about using like the U version app and a good translation on there, like, you know, the ESV or the NASB or one of those. Okay. Listen to the scriptures. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you're a single mom or a married mom, or you're driving to work or something like that, or you're just getting ready. Now, who doesn't have five to 10 minutes when you're getting ready in the morning? You know, you got to brush your teeth. You got to guys you got to shave or you know comb your hair or i mean ladies you know what you're doing you're putting on your makeup and your hair and i mean that takes more than five to ten minutes so i'm saying use that time maybe for um for listening to the scriptures it 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 will help you know and it'll start starting your day in the bible is so so vital whether you're reading it or or listening to it and the more that you can expose yourself to god's word um, the better, the more you'll find that you know of God's word. And and the more that God will be able to use you. One of my, I, I use this in the book as well. One of my friends, he's a biblical counselor. He says, um, he said this in an interview I did with him. How much of God's word can you access? And that's really, whew, when he said that, I was like, did it get hot in here or what? I'm thinking <laughs> this, it got hot in here. I'm like, man, that's convicting. You know, even for the guy who wrote a book on that, I, think I know the Bible, you know, I, I obviously don't have, you know, everything memorized and I, I even forget stuff. And my wife's like, you forgot that. I'm like, yep. But, you know, uh, we're still learning and we're still growing, you know, um, and still reading scripture. And we don't need to take a cookie cutter approach to this. Take the principles that are in this book and apply them to your own life. We, we take a cookie cutter approach and, and I'm not a fan of that at all. I think that's the wrong approach to discipleship. I think we have to help people to take the, the principles that we're helping them to, to get into their lives and they have to take ownership of those. That's how it's going to be personalized to them. And I, that's another thing I would just say to pastors, just saying that kind of thing that will really help people a lot. A pastor of mine years ago used to say that, Reading the Bible it's is not a got to, it's a get to. I don't got to read the Bible. I get to read the Bible. And I really liked your almost pastoral approach of encouraging someone for just five to 10 minutes. Start with that. And the Lord will foster a love for his word over time. In the middle of the book, you talk about memorizing scripture, meditating on scripture, hearing the word, hearing it in church, in small group, uh, et cetera. And uh, you, you want to you give a little kind of teaser preview of, of, of one or two of those? So. Sure. I'll hit, I'll hit meditating and memorizing. Um, and I think I could even hit applying. Think of, a, think of a, with me for a minute about when you gas up your car. What, what, if, if the car doesn't have gas... It's not going to go anywhere. You're going to be – if you don't have oil in your car, guess what happens? The car ceases. <laughs> it's never <laughs> going to start over. When we come to reading the Bible, I'll start here. We're talking about something that is to fuel our life like gas and oil. And when we talk about um, memorizing and meditating on the, the Bible, that's going to rev up our spiritual life, right? Um, we're going to turn on that ignition. And we're going to go. It's going to fuel our reading and our studying of the Bible. It's going to help us to grow. And, and it's going to light that fire by the Holy Spirit. 
uh, that's going to drive us to grow to be more like Jesus. And then we're going to want to, we're, we're just very naturally, I think, uh, going to apply the Bible to our lives. We're going to take it. It's going to, the, the more that you're memorizing and you're intaking scripture into your life, what's going to happen is, is your life is going to be increasingly changed. I, I remember, I'll be a little bit personal here. I remember on one missions trip in high school, I, I read the whole entire New Testament. We're talking, it was like maybe five days. So it was pretty intense. I was like, I just want to really, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the whole New Testament. And I did. And I really, I, I, I remember that. And I remember somebody coming up to me, um, not after that, but, but, but around maybe a year or so, he's like, you know what, Dave, I've really noticed a difference in you. And I'm like, I didn't even notice the difference. But they really noticed, I remember this person saying, people really notice something different about you. That's just going to happen as the Spirit's work. He takes the Word and he's planting it deep and driving it into your life. And that's really, you know, what we're doing when we're not just reading the Bible and we're memorizing and meditating and, and God by the Spirit will, will apply the Word to our lives. It'll become precious to us and a treasure if it helps even further, think of an ATM. I use that example. You can put your card in there, and you have to input your PIN. Think of memorizing and meditating on the Bible like that. You're, you're making a deposit into your life by memorizing and meditating on Scripture, you know, f- not emptying your mind, but filling your mind with God's truth and his promises and his word. And that's, that can happen just by taking one verse um, maybe writing it down if for those of you that that find that helpful could just be mulling it over um, the meaning of it and then taking it and and trying to you know Donna Whitney is great at this praying the Bible so good so very helpful and he really helps us to to see what this means is praying the scriptures you know uh, taking mm-hmm. that and reading it and you know correctly understanding it and then praying it back to God can be really, really, really helpful as well. So there's a lot of things. Think over the scripture, and that really helps me too. And, you know, again, what this will do is it'll help you to be an effective servant for Jesus. So that's really what we're talking about. It'll help you grow, and it'll because you're growing in Christ, you can be an effective servant. And even as far as being an effective servant, we can then call it to mind so that when maybe we need to write a an encouraging card to a believer or someone, we can have a scripture ready that we can put in there to encourage them. That puts us on this trajectory of, I loved how you rounded out the edges and how you, you grounded out the ideas of the book. And then you end the book by zeroing in on faithfulness. So I want you to tell tell me about that. How does developing a habit of seeking God daily in his word relate to faithfulness? Well, you know, God is always faithful. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to the promises in his word, and he's always faithful to his people. So faithfulness really is a stewardship issue. Um you know, Jesus has so much to say, right, about stewardship and mm-hmm. our lives, and our lives are stewardship. We're owned by him by virtue of being um, he's our creator and he's our covenant Lord. And so faithfulness to God is of, you know, perennial importance. Um, you know, I say that the Bible presents the 
the options that the Bible presents to Christian are faithfulness to God or, you know, disobedience to God. Um, so if we're going to be faithful to God, we need to, as, as you quoted from Jesus' own words, we need to obey him because we're in union with him. Um, but if we're not, then we cheat. What do we do what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, and we cheapen the grace of God. And we should never cheapen the grace of God because as Bonhoeffer says, that's costly grace. You know, Jesus did all that he did in his finished and sufficient work for us. And that's enough for us. Um, it, it is enough. You know, if we would just camp on that idea that it, what Jesus did is truly enough mm -hmm. you know, for us, like it's not just maybe, it's not just but, it is enough. It always will be enough. It will forever be enough, you know. No matter what your view is of Revelation, uh, Jesus is still at the center of the New Jerusalem, and the people of God will be before him, and they will worship him forever and ever. So for all time and for all eternity, the people of God will worship Jesus. So as R.C. Sproul once said, all of our lives are quorum deo. They're before the face of God. Mm -hmm. um, so everything in our lives is a matter of you know, worship, and it's a matter of faithfulness to God, to the God that we worship, to the God that we believe, to the God that the scriptures declare. And so, yeah, faithfulness is just so important. God is faithful to us. I mean, and, there, you know, we can be so faithless. That's why, you know, we, we pray, Lord, help my unbelief. Um, strengthen me through your word. All those, all those things. So, And there again, you know, you talk about having – uh, access, having the scriptures accessible and, and, and having that access to draw on. Uh, as soon as you talked about us being faithless, I, I thought of the scripture that, that says that uh, when, when we are faithless, he is faithful, um, which I just looked it up. It's 2 Timothy 2.13, actually. Uh, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Dave, let me ask you this. Where, where can people buy your book? At your favorite bookstore, hopefully. You can get it on Amazon. You can buy it from the publisher, Hassed and Emmett. Um, here soon you'll be able to get it at uh, W Westminster Bookstore, which is online. Um, I think it's available on Barnes & Noble, I saw. I'm not sure, online. Mm -hmm. um, and those kinds of things. Uh, Reformation Heritage will soon be uh, carrying it as well. So there's a number of places that you can get it. Any any final advice or encouragements that you'd like to share? Yeah, for sure. I just want to say, you know, you at Thanksgiving, right? We as Americans, we have a we have a feast put before us at Thanksgiving. But every day you have a feast put before you in the scriptures. And I just want to say, take time to feast on that scripture. Take time to to make room in your life whatever that means um if some things need to go take take time make room for the word and watch as god uses his word in your life to shape you to mold you like i shared very personally earlier people will notice and you know what that's a good thing people should wonder about what's different about us and what's different is we're people of the book we're people of the word so there's nothing greater for us to, to feast on, to enjoy, to listen to, to be under, and to do life by the word. 
you know, all for God's glory. So find that, find that feast that God has prepared for you in the 66 books of the word. Dave Jenkins, author of The Word Explored, The Problem of Biblical Illiteracy and What to Do About It. Dave, thank you. Been a pleasure to be with you, brother. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you'll join us next time as we spend time in God's Word, looking at how we can grow in our knowledge of Him, our love for Him, and our service to Him. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, visit us at graceandpeaceradio.com or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash graceandpeaceradio. Until next time, I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life.